Fashion freaking matters. It matters to the economy, to society, and to each of us personally. Faster than anything else, what we wear tells the story of who we are or who we want to be. Fashion is the most immediate and intimate form of self-expression. Now, that is actually from Francis Corner's Why Fashion Matters, albeit slightly ad-libbed by myself. But this quote in a nutshell is why I love fashion. My name is Annalise Days and welcome to Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? The eight-part series that is all about the F word. I talk about my 20 plus years working in the fashion industry, including my two-time brush with a certain reality show. I'll be your own personal hype girl, giving you practical advice on how to make it in fashion. Whether your runway is the kitchen, the office, or your local high street, I dish out my own dose of look good, feel good philosophy while discussing topics and dynamics that are super important to the fashion industry. Hello and welcome to episode four of Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? And this time I'm going to be digesting a topic that is, well, huge, and that is fashion and sustainability. With all the research that I did for this topic, I was becoming more and more concerned. And I thought the easiest way to start was to highlight and discuss some key facts that, quite frankly, blew my mind. It takes about 10 litres of water on average to produce a single pair of jeans. Like, that is a lot of water. It's actually the amount of water that you'd probably drink in about five to six years. I had no clue. This figure comes from the water used to grow the cotton, but mainly the water used in the jean production itself. A typical pair of jeans is washed at least twice prior to being sold to help soften the fabric and remove the dye. This actually makes me feel quite irresponsible, especially when I think about the amount of jeans that I own. But you know what? I'm not going to beat myself up about it because I think the first step on this journey has got to be awareness. So yeah, traditionally, denim has been the worst culprit when it comes to sustainability. And that's for many factors. Like, not only are jeans washed within an inch of their lives to create that worn look, but dangerous chemicals are used practically along every step of the production chain. Whether that's spinning the yarn, in the all-important dyeing process, or being sprayed down with copious amounts of chemicals to lighten the fabric. Denim, along with other clothing manufacturing, has long been associated with labour injustices. Sandblasting, for example, is a process to distress jeans. And it is what it says, jeans are blasted with sand at stupid speeds. But if workers aren't given the correct equipment, it can cause serious health issues like ciliosis and lethal pulmonary disease. Surely my favourite pair of jeans can't be worth that. The process of sandblasting has been banned in certain countries, but still occurs in countries that are less regulated. Okay, so let's talk more about chemicals, which brings me to this fact. There are over 8,000 synthetic chemicals used in fashion manufacturing, most of which contain known carcinogens and hormone disruptors and are kept undisclosed to consumers. These chemicals are just lurking in our clothing. It's like I knew this, but I didn't. And now that I know it, I can't unknow it. Like, what even are these chemicals? Let's start with basic cotton. It's a very chemical-intensive crop. 
It counts for 25% of insecticides used worldwide, while only making up 2.4% of the world's cropland. These numbers are wild. But that's just the growing. And then there's the actual process. A slew of toxicness, synthetic chemicals like silicone waxes, heavy metals and ammonia are used. These can be absorbed into the skin and actually can cause some serious health problems. Even the smallest dose of pesticide exposure has been linked to brain, fetal damage and sterility in humans. Not to forget the detrimental impact on the environment. And that's what they're doing with something that grows naturally. So you can only imagine what's going on with synthetic fabrics. There is a little bit of hope though. Organic cotton uses no synthetic pesticides and the growing and harvesting uses 71% less water and 62% less energy than conventional cotton. But are consumers ready to be burdened with that extra cost? Especially when we know that most manufacturers aren't willing to pick up the tab. To add to this chemical dilemma, the darker the fabric, the more you are potentially exposing yourself to dangerous chemical dyes. Azo dyes, you know, the stuff that rubs off blue denim, well, some of these release chemicals that have been linked to cancer. Dark colours contain higher concentrates of phenylendiamine. I don't think I said that right, but you get me. A chemical that triggers skin allergies and can cause contact dermatitis. So let's say you're wearing 100% cotton in some kind of natural beige. Your sustainability problems still aren't solved. You have to account for the journey that that piece of clothing took to come to you. And that's at least two journeys, from the place of manufacturer to a warehouse, and then from there to your home or a retail store. It's virtually impossible to eliminate carbon emissions during distribution, but some more sustainable companies will try to minimise them, for example by planting trees to compensate. The further a piece of clothing travels during the distribution process is more likely that chemicals will be used during the shipping process to reduce mildew, wrinkling and parasites. And these chemicals are harmful. Even certain levels of formaldehyde has been known to be used. Yes, the stuff that is used to preserve dead bodies. Victoria's Secret has faced multiple lawsuits for excessive use of formaldehyde during the distribution of their lingerie. If the formaldehyde thing doesn't make you want to wash your clothes before use, then I don't know what will. In fact, I do. Story time. So I used to do a fashion show at a shopping centre. It was a whole choreographed thing with dancers and models and all sorts. Over a long weekend, there'll be like five or six shows a day. Most of the stores got involved and guess what? After sweating up a storm in these clothes, changing in and out of them countless times, they were actually returned back to the shops to be sold. Like, ew. So my takeaway from that is that you really do need to wash your clothes before use. I know it's a little bit counterproductive. Nobody wants to buy a brand new jumper and then pop it in the wash before wearing. But if model dancers sweat and formaldehyde isn't enough reason, what is? I know, it's shocking. But of course, there is so much more. Labour issues in the fashion industry are rife. And there is no way that I'm going to be able to cover all of it. But I wanted to lay down a few facts for you. Did you know that the average garment worker works 96 hours per week? 
So they're working 96 hours per week in very poor working conditions and are not compensated accordingly. For example, garment workers in Bangladesh earn £25 a month, well below the considered living wage of £45. In fact, only 2% of the world's garment workers earn a livable wage and many workers are children. Workers are treated extremely badly, expected to sew hundreds of items a day and are often financially penalised for missing targets. Garments are actually the second highest at-risk product for modern-day slavery. So these workers are really going through a lot, and as consumers, we don't even show our appreciation, because apparently, we don't even wear our clothes. Clothing utilisation, the average number of times a person wears a piece of clothing before discarding, well, it went down by 36% between 2003 and 2018. And that's while production has doubled. One third of young women in the UK think that an item of clothing is old after they've worn it once or twice. I mean, me personally, I wear my clothes. I don't believe in the practice of discarding just because I've already got a photo of it on the gram. My clothes need to be seen. This is why I advocate for finding your own personal style and learning how to restyle over and over again the pieces that you own in your wardrobe. A study said that extending the life of clothes by just nine months of active use would reduce carbon, water and waste footprints by 20 to 30% each. So not only are we throwing away items quicker, but we're also consuming at a stupid rate. Garments are being replaced faster and faster, following the dynamics and micro-trends of the fast fashion industry. Globally, it's estimated that 92 million tonnes of textile waste is created each year, and that's the equivalent to a rubbish truck full of clothes ending up on landfill every second. That is just so much waste! And I'll admit it, I was that girl ordering lots of items, filming in them for content and then returning most of them. And like a lot of those returns don't even get sold, they end up in landfill or incinerators too. I'd buy items because they were cheap, knowing that I could easily replace them when they fell apart. Yeah, I'm definitely part of the problem. However, in recent years, I've started making a conscious effort to take steps towards a more sustainable wardrobe and in turn create more sustainable shopping habits. So I thought I'd share some of those tips with you. Let's talk about the stuff I already own. When I feel like an item has served its purpose for me, I always consider the best way to pass it on. So selling an item would always be my first port of call. Using platforms like Vinted or Depop to pass them on to somebody who would really love them. Clove swaps? There are so many websites and pop-up events where you can exchange unwanted items for pieces that might serve you better. And then lastly, donating to charity shops. This is actually a tricky one, because charity shops are inundated with poor quality clothing which they struggle to sell. So many of those items also end up in landfill. When donating, I like to make sure that either an item is of good quality or somewhat unique to make it stand out to potential customers. However, usually if I have a piece like this, I would opt to selling it first. Now, what about when I'm purchasing? If I have something in mind, something specific that I'm looking for, it's become a bit of a habit of mine now to always check Vinted first. 
Now, Vinted isn't just for secondhand items. They have pieces in various conditions. And now that I've been selling for a while, I have a nice accumulation of funds in my Vinted account which I can use to purchase from. I always keep an eye out in vintage and charity shops, but of course, this can be unpredictable. So if that fails, I'm going to buy something new. And you know what? There is nothing wrong with that. There are so many independent brands that have a truly eco-friendly ethos, making their clothing from surplus fabrics, for example. And gone are the days where sustainable fashion means ugly fashion. However, even if you aren't buying from a sustainable brand or company, there is still a way that you can do your bit. And that's by making sure that you'll actually wear and love your items for years to come. This is where personal style comes into play. Your personal style won't change. Yes, it might develop or evolve, but mainly it's going to remain consistent. Therefore, you won't feel like you need to keep up with fast-paced micro-trends which are in one moment and out the next, and you'll be led by style rather than trends. I always ask myself when deciding to buy something if I can see myself styling it in at least five different ways of pieces that I already own. And lastly, focusing on quality over quantity can help aid you in keeping your items longer. Now, hopefully these tips can help you become a little bit more mindful. But I also want to give you a heads up about greenwashing. We definitely need to keep an eye out about those brands who claim to be concerned about sustainability. They know that consumers are looking for this, as 75% of consumers believe that sustainability is important, and one third are willing to choose sustainable brands that help the environment and social improvement. So they try to fool us into believing that they care too, with small percentages of recycled polyester, sustainable collaborations which are not transparent about how they source fabrics or labour, even putting symbols of nature on their labels to give the appearance of an eco-friendly ethos. These are all dupes and tricks. The difficulty is, is that there are so many stages into having a piece of clothing made. And for a brand to truly be seen as sustainable, they have to be sustainable at every single process of the chain, from A to Z. It's become clear that in order for the fashion industry to thrive in the future, it needs fundamental change. We as consumers need to push the industry to change their practices and for brands to be more responsible. I do think it's happening, just slowly, and I'm not entirely sure that the planet has the time for that. As we can gather, sustainability is never clear-cut black and white, but I think it starts with awareness and balancing those sustainable choices. A lot of the issues we've discussed here, and yes, I'm aware that I've only covered a fraction of them, well, they're really concerning to me, but it does seem like we're fighting a losing battle. But instead of feeling overwhelmed and blaming myself, I think that we all just need to take it one step at a time, even if that first step is just washing your brand new clothes. So for this fashion flashback, I thought I'd pick an item that, although can be made more sustainably, it is still seen as one of the worst offenders for its resource intensiveness. And that is, you guessed it, your favourite pair of jeans. The history of denim jeans is interesting and complex. Let's begin with the actual fabric itself, which was created accidentally by weavers in Nîmes, France in the late 17th century. It was a coarse, sturdy cotton fabric, 
and they were actually trying to replicate another strong, sturdy fabric called serge. Back then, textiles made during this time were named based on where they were manufactured. So they called the fabric serge de Nimes, meaning serge from Nimes. As the fabric became more popular, merchants shortened it to denim. But what about the word jean? Well, during this time, Italian textile workers in Genoa had been producing a similar fabric made of indigo-dyed wool and cotton. It was very popular with sailors and the working class. With this fabric, they made all types of clothing, not just trousers, overcoats, dresses, etc. And they called these items blue jeans. Jean being the shortened version of Genoa. So in theory, denim and jean are two different fabrics, although they both have the same durable quality. Okay, so what about denim jeans as we know them today? Well, it was Levi Strauss who helped bring them to the masses. Yes, Levi's. He and his family immigrated from Germany in 1848 and started a dry goods store in New York. Eventually, they moved their business to California, which was in the thick of the gold rush. And now, if you're somebody looking for gold for weeks on end in filthy mines then you're probably going to need a pair of sturdy work pants that are not going to fall apart and will protect you from scrapes and cuts. And that's exactly where Levi Strauss stepped in. They were made from denim, which was always spun from both white and indigo yarn and were seen as workwear, not just for miners, but also mechanics, cowboys, farmers, anybody that could benefit from the tougher fabric. Strauss eventually teamed up with a tailor, Jacob Davis. Makes sense. Together, they designed the construction of denim jeans, specifically with the rivets at the pockets, as this was the place where Strauss's original trousers, although durable, would rip first. On May 20th, 1873, they were granted a patent, and the American blue denim jean was born. Although it did take a while for them to become mainstream culture, as they were predominantly seen as workwear for the blue-collar working class. But the rise of Hollywood pushed to change that. All the cool guys were seen wearing denim jeans. James Dean, Marlon Brando, even Marilyn Monroe wore denim jeans on the silver screen. And cowboy movies obviously helped to reinforce this. It was the rebellious teens of that time who decided they were going to reclaim the denim jean as more than just a work uniform. The youth culture was all about challenging authority and playing by your own rules. Jeans were seen as so rebellious that in the 1950s they were banned from most schools and theatres. This continued into the early 1970s but quickly changed as by the 80s they were an American wardrobe staple. Throughout the 80s and 90s, American manufacturers moved their productions overseas to save costs and because of demand for jeans as an everyday staple, manufacturers changed the way they were made. For example, being pre-washed so they were softer and more comfy straight away, with many denim connoisseurs seeing this as a declining quality. Jeans became popular outside of America as soldiers used to wear them when they were off duty and Japanese denim manufacturers sought to retain the quality of denim by making them from raw and salvaged fabrics on old shuttle looms to give each pair an individual touch that was unique to that pair. This saw the rise of Japanese brands like Ivisu, Japan Blue and Samurai. Still to this day, die-hard denim lovers will tell you that the best denim in the world is made in Japan. Of course, denim jean styles have evolved and, of course, will continue to evolve. 
from those sturdy Levi's 501s to your skinny jeans weave with elastane to those pre-ripped jeans, which personally aren't for me, and obviously so many more. The average person owns seven pairs of jeans. Nope, they're not going anywhere. And with that, I thought I'd leave you with three iconic Levi's facts. The orange thread that Levi's uses for the stitching of their jeans is trademarked. It's used as a distinguishable feature to match the colour of the copper rivets. The making of one pair of Levi's 501s requires 37 separate sewing operations, and the oldest pair of Levi's jeans were found in 1997 and were 100 years old. Lastly, the first label ever to be attached to a piece of a garment was a red flag that was sewn next to the back pocket on a pair of Levi's jeans. Freaking iconic. Thank you so much for joining me for this sustainable discussion on episode four of Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? I really hope that you learned something because I definitely did. And I actually think that this episode, more than others, has made me want to ask, oh my days, what are we wearing? I'm going to have to take a little nap from all that information overload. But before you take your nap, please do subscribe to my podcast. I've got lots more juicy fashion topics to dive into. And don't forget to tell a friend, share the love, and I'll be back soon.